Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Psalms 127 verse 1 reads as follows, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. I want to focus in on the first part of this particular verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. They labor in vain who build it. Based on what this read to you, I want to talk to you from this topic, the benefits of our omniscient God building our lives. Before we get into our notes, being involved in building building project is a process, especially building the structure that will last. And of course, uh, if you're not building a structure that will last, why should you build it? You have to be selective on the location. You know, one of the main rules they give you when buying real estate is location, location, location. You want to make sure that the foundation will have a solid place to be established. It would not it'd be not it would not be wise to build on top of land that is hollow or filled with debris in the natural, but the same is true in the spiritual. Also, you need a written plan, a written plan like an architecture plan that will support the necessary components of the structure and brings everything together. Spiritually speaking, we have the written and revealed word of God, guided by the Holy Spirit to give us a necessary component to be solid and a, solid and sound believers. Now, there are many things needed to build a house from the material to the design to the workers and so forth. However, there is a person responsible for overseeing the project. He or she have others under them to help oversee various areas of the project, but that person is responsible. He is here known as the contractor, those working under him or her as subcontractors. A natural contractor will use his skills to guide the work and assure that the structure is built in a matter that is established, stable, and most importantly, built to last. We all have an all-knowing God who is qualified to build. He is the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, and capable of design a structure that is stable, firm, and settled in everlasting truth. David understood this when he made this statement in Psalms 127 and 1, of course, will be our main scripture, which we will go over here in just a moment. In my opinion, he, he had such revelation of this truth that he was able to predict what would happen if the Lord does not build us. And we must have that same revelation so that we can take advantage of every opportunity that, you, that God gives us to build, such as Sunday school midweek service, Sunday morning service, revivals, auxiliary meetings, etc. What is God doing? He is building us in every aspect of our lives. Let's go to the notes. Let's go to the notes. Our scripture today comes from Psalms 127 and verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Being chosen to be an active member, uh, uh, excuse me, me as the pastor of the ministry for 24 years, I've come to realize, as Peter did in Matthew 16 and 18, which is that the Lord is going to build his church. He's going to build his church. In fact, let's go to Matthew 16 and 18 to refresh our memory of what that says. Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. One of the things I came to the conclusion of, what's given conclusion, as I look back over the 24 years of ministry, I realize that truly God has built this ministry. How do you know, Pastor Doc? Because it's still here. The, 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 uh, despite diversity, despite everything that went on, I understand that God built this church. 
I also stood, excuse me, I also had to come to the realization, do some repenting and asking God to forgive me because I realized there were some areas of the ministry that I built and it didn't last. Y'all follow what I'm saying here? Now, you may not have that problem, but I, when I had looked back, and then, let's say not just the ministry, my own personal life, my home, there were some areas I'm sure I know God built because it, it stood the test of time. It stood diversity. It stood adversity, so forth and so on. But there are some areas that I say, you know what, when I look back at it, if I'd be honest with myself, I built this. Because when adversity came, when trials came, when tribulations came, it failed. And that was good. That was good. You say you, it was good, it failed, Pastor Dobbs? Yeah. Because that allowed God to repair it and to redo it again. It's called repentance. It's called changing the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act. And so as in ministry, as well as my personal life, as well as any other area of my life, we've got to let the Lord build the house. And not only build the house, but build the church, build our families, so forth and so on. Because the church is those he called out, his body of believers who follow his teachings. Of course, you are not his church if you don't follow his teachings. Now, there is a church out there that's a natural church, but I'm talking about the spiritual church, the one that God builds. And one thing we talked about, like we believe last week, God is still building his church today. He's building it today. Just like he's building you today. He's building me today. He's building our families today, our homes, our business, and so forth. He's building it today. Naturally speaking, it's a place that we assemble to gain knowledge and understanding of Jesus. It this is where we gain knowledge and understanding of Jesus. Is that testimony regarding your time? Excuse me, I must say, is this our testimony regarding our time in ministry? Are we able to recognize that it's God's hand of deliverance, protection, and prosperity that is building this great church? Do we acknowledge, do we accept and admit that it's God that's building this church? We know that Jesus declared in Matthew 16 and 17 and 18. Notice Matthew 16, 17 and 18. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So we see that God is building his church upon his written and revealed word of God. The, the revealed word of God is what uh, God uncovers, unveils, or shows something that was secret, but now it is disclosed to us. The Lord reveals to us how to fulfill the will of God in every area of our lives. As he opens up the word to you, you see how to become, how to pray. You see how to give. You see how to love your sisters and your brothers. You learn how to do what Christ wants you to do. And this is what you need to understand. If he has to reveal it to you, it means you didn't know it before. Let me let that sink in for a moment. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a father. I had the world's way of doing it, but I didn't know how to do it Christ's way. If I'm going to be a Christian or one that is pleasing to God, I've got to do it his way. The Lord constantly revealing us how to be productive and fulfill the will of God in every area of our lives. How to be, how to be in a marriage, how to be, have finances, how to be a parent, how to have a business or a job or career, a business. In fact, God's word is building our prayer life, is building our faith, is building our confidence, our ability to sow in abundance and trust God for the increase. The revealed word of God is powerful, which is why we have to do all that we can to do to be in the church when his word is coming forth. The Holy Spirit is given to believers in the church to lead and to guide them. It guide us into all truth based on John 16 and verse 13. Let's go to John 16 and verse 13. John 16 and verse 13. The Bible reads as follows. 
However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is given to believers in the church in order to lead and to guide. God means to lead in a direction, to follow the teaching, to show someone the way to a desired result. And, of course, God has a desired result that he wants for each and every one of us. The truth that revealed to us helps us to pray, to give, to love one another, to witness, to treat our brothers and sisters the right way in a godly manner, to worship. Isn't it amazing that you think you know how to worship God, but then you come into the house of God, you learn how to worship God. Because you can worship God with uh, a beautiful Sunday school lesson. You can worship him outwardly, but your heart may not be in it. But God wants people that heart is in their worship. And sometimes you got to repent when you come to the house of God and say, God, you know what? My mind's not in it, but God, if you help me, God, I will get my mind in it and I will worship you in spirit and in truth as the Father teaches. Oh, how many have ever been distracted when it came to the house of God? Let's be honest. All right, let's be, look around. Look around. You ain't the only one. Sometimes people get amazed. Well, I come in here. I'm ready when I came in here. Some people are just distracted. They are distracted by all types of things that go on before, and some stuff ain't even happened yet. They're distracted by that. And the enemy's trying to get your attention so you don't get the written and revealed word of God. So in turn, you don't know how to worship him in spirit and in truth. Also, we see, go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want to show you something else real quickly. Because remember, he's going to teach us how to witness too. He's going to teach us how to witness. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible reads as follows. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses in, to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This scripture lets us know that we shall receive power. Power is strength, ability, power, power to perform miracles, power to be excellent, power to influence, power for resources, increase, and so forth. After the Holy Spirit has come upon us, and we shall be witnesses. If God is truly going to build the inward and outward church, his spirit must reside in us. Let me say this to you. If he gives us power to witness, then we must witness. I know that's kind of deep right there. Not really. If he say witness, we need to witness. If he give you power to witness, then a Christian who got power witnesses. If I don't witness, then I got to ask myself, where's the power at? And sometimes power is locked up in your witness. Sometimes your witness uh, when you witness somebody, it unlocks power, not just for the witnessing, but for you to be have a testimony so you can witness somebody. If you're not going to tell anybody, why would God want to show you off to anybody? Because God likes to show out when he does stuff. You remember when the children of Israel were getting ready to cross over that water? You know that God waited till the till Israelite got wrapped, I'm excuse me, the, the Egypt Egyptians got wrapped up on top of them. And then he said, let me open up this water and show them how powerful I am. He could have opened it up. He could have killed them way back down. But God waited till they got to the very end. He said, listen, I'm going to let them see what I'm going to do. He opened up that water. It took, the Bible said it took them all night. And then they, they went across on dry land. And then they tried to do the same thing that the children of God did. And they got drowned in the midst of that. You got to understand something. You can talk about Jesus, but living this thing is a whole different ball game. You got to be a witness. And in fact, you're a witness because why? You're a Christian. And you got power. See, everybody say, I got power. Now, when we got power, we're going to witness. In fact, let's go with Luke Penn, the importance of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus opened the understanding of the disciples in Luke 24 and 25. Let's go to Luke 24 and 25. You write these scriptures down. Let them bless your life. Luke 24 and 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. So we see here that these individuals were slow of heart, and they didn't believe like the Holy Spirit did. 24, 25. 24, 25. They go to 45. 
45 says this, and he opened the understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So one part, he said they were foolish and slow hard to believe. And then in verse 45, he says they opened the understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. They comprehend the scripture. Now, so when we see this, we understand that they tarry in Jerusalem so they receive power from on high. That's why he opened the understanding so they could receive the scriptures. At times we should be waiting on the omniscient God to come so that we can allow, that we can follow. We can't be so busy that we cannot follow what he's telling us to do. Now, let's go to Psalms 127 and verse 1 again. Psalms 127. Let me go back here real quick. I want to look at this and give you just a little background in it. Psalms 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house. Many people believe that David wrote this to his son, Solomon, because he wanted to help his son, Solomon, have a better life, have a good life. But he realizes now Solomon, you understand, was considered one of the wisest men in the world. And through his wisdom, he still needs to understand that you're smart, but you're not smarter than God. There's nothing wrong with you being smart. Nothing wrong with you having wisdom. Nothing wrong with you being intelligent. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, when I look around out in the sanctuary, I see some very intelligent people in here. But understand, your intelligence does not go beyond God's intelligence. And so when God says that I need to build your house, like it's like, like David was telling, telling Solomon, then we need to understand God knows what he's doing. And he is a better judge of how to build your house better than you do. Because you can build your house and put some stuff in it that don't belong. It's not going to pass code, not going to pass inspection. It's not going to pass the Holy Ghost test for your life. You can build it, but it ain't going to last, as we read a little bit later. Now, I believe David understood how important it is that the Lord build the house. As he wrote in, this, in, this, in Psalms 127 verse 1. But this is what you need to know. Everyone has a choice in who or what they're allowed to establish them. Everyone has a choice. Now, when you read this, you understand that a house is going to be built. House is going to be built. A church is going to be built. A life is going to be built. A family is going to be built. A business is going to be built. Everybody got a choice as to who they allow to build their family, to build their home, to build their marriage, to build their single life, to build whatever it is, you got a choice to make. And you can't get mad now at other people because I don't care how much the devil tries to influence you, you still got the final say-so. Even when God comes in, he's not going to force himself to build your house. Even though he got the master plan, he got the, listen, the design of all designs for your house. I mean, he got the master house prepared for you. But yet, he's not going to force it on you. I got, listen, God got a master, I mean, got a mansion for you. Talked about that little in another part of scripture. But yet, God not going to force himself in your house. You know, uh, Revelation says, I stand at the door and knock. You going to let me in? Or, 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 or you going to turn the TV up a little bit louder because you got something else going on. You going to turn the radio. You going to put your headphones on because you got something else going on more important than me. I stand at the door at night for your children, but yet you got a better plan for your child than I do, huh? You go, I'm going to use a terminology they use uh, for uh, the world. You're going to homeschool them. What do you mean homeschool, Pastor? I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to, listen, I, yeah, I know that the book says that. But I'm going to do it my way. When God said, I'm going to do it my way. Oh, so no, God, I, I know my child better than you do, God. Listen, I know little Johnny don't like, don't like this, or, uh, or Susan don't like that, but I want to do it this way, God, not the way he wants it done. So you got to understand that God's not going to force himself to build your house. 
In fact, he said, he said let's, go, let's go to Scripture. I want, I want to look at some Joshua 24, 15. Joshua 24, 15. Because I understand. And, I, and let, before I start pointing fingers at anybody, I'm going to be honest with you. I have God been knocking. And I said, you know what, God? I got this. I got this, God. I've been guilty. I'm a little lie to you. I, I did it with my finances. I did it with my family. I did it with the church. I did it. See, I got to come clean with you so you don't make the same mistakes that I made. Because if you start doing listen, if I teach you and you start doing the same thing that I did, woe is you. Joshua had, Joshua they ran across the same type of dilemma in Joshua 24, 15. And, 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 and Joshua said this, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites who land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice you got to make. Tell somebody it's a choice you got to make. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is what you got to understand. Can't nobody make that choice for you except you. Except you. I, I wish I, I could pray that you make the right choice. I can tell you what choice you need to make, but you still got to choose. And this is what you need to understand. Just because you choose on Monday to let God in, don't mean you will let him come on Tuesday and do what he's going to do. Because some people are good about Sunday choosing God. But when it comes to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, ooh, I'm going to do it my way this way, this day, God. I got something coming up. I, I wasn't expecting God, but I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to handle it this way. And you know what? God will not force himself on nobody. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. That's, now we go back referring, referring to today's text. I believe that David understood how important it is for us to allow the Lord to build the house. When he builds the house, he's going to establish it. And I like this definition here. He's going to repair some stuff in the house. And you ain't live long enough to you had to do some repairs in your house. Oh, Pastor, you, you, yes, I have to repair some stuff in my house. In my natural house, I've had to repair some stuff. In my spiritual house, I stay at the altar of repentance, asking God to forgive me for all the things I've done. I need repairing. I need repairing of the things I used to do. I need repairing of the mistakes I made. I need repairing because I've got a bad attitude. Sometimes my attitude's kind of nasty sometimes. My attitude is not godly. My attitude is not where it should be. So, God, I need you to repair me. David said it like this. Oh, look at my heart. I'm paraphrasing. Look at my heart, God. If you see anything that don't belong there, repair it or restore it back to where it needs to be at. And I appreciate the fact that God loved me enough. If I'm faithful and just to forgive me, he will cleanse me of all unrighteousness and repair me and put me back into the place I need to be in. Because you can be in the sanctuary and slip see. Listen, that's why I thank God for the, the sanctuary, that God brings help in the sanctuary. Because he's repairing people, believers, in this sanctuary. Oh, I see him repairing somebody in the blue. I see somebody preparing somebody in the white. I see him preparing somebody in the black. I see God repairing believers in this sanctuary. Lift your hands and tell God, thank you for repairing me. Thank you for repairing me. Thank you for getting my heart right. Thank you for repairing my mind. Thank you for repairing my heart. Thank you for repairing my tongue. Thank you for repairing every area of my life. You know God's repairing relationships in this sanctuary. God's repairing minds in this sanctuary. God's repairing school students in this sanctuary. God is repairing ministers in this sanctuary. God is repairing single people in this sanctuary. God is repairing us in this sanctuary. Somebody lift your hand and say, thank God for your repair, God. Because can't nobody repair you like Jesus. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit is there to repair you, to repair the way you think, the way you talk, and the way you act. Thank God for his repairing. Not only that, he's repairing. He is, he's made permanent. Uh, excuse me, he's making things that can be permanent. He's constructing things. He's assembling things in the house. The building process is intense at times. Painful, potentially frustrating and such like. 
have we had to trust Jesus in the process. And because the Lord creates us free more ages, he gives us a daily choice to choose for ourselves whom we will serve. That's why Joshua 24 is so important. If 24, 15 is so important. If we're really going to allow God to build our house, we must become subject to him even when we can't see our way out. We must also give our will to follow his will. That's why David emphasized how important it is for the Lord to build the house. He was telling his son Solomon, I need for you to allow the Lord to build your house. I need the one true God to build your house. I need the work of the Holy Spirit to build your house. Your house is your dwelling habitation, the abode of life. And we are the abode of life. We are the, let the Lord build your household, Solomon. Let him build your family, Solomon. And let him build this church here, Overcomers Christian Center. We got to allow Lord, the Lord to build this church. I don't need to be the one that's constructing and building this church. I may be the orchestrator. I may be the one that God may tell do certain things, but it's got to be God that builds this church. One of the things I had to do is that I had to go to God and say, God, I repent. 24 years I say, God, I repent because I did some stuff. Now, you listen, when I look back, I say, you know what, God, that was you. That was you. Oh, that was me right there. That were you, that were you, no, that were me right there. That were you, that were you, that were me right there. And you got to look at yourself and look at your own personal life. God, where is it that I built and where is it that you build at? And you got to repent when you find yourself building stuff. When you look at your household and they got, you got altars up in your own household. Not a natural altar, but I'm talking about altar the way you do things around your household. And God had nothing to do with that altar. You got to tear that altar down and say, God, you know what? I'm doing it the wrong way. Because you can build an altar in your mind and you start worshiping the way you do things. And you think it's all right because nobody has corrected you. But when God corrects it, you, God means you need to tear that altar down. And say, you know what? I, this is wrong. God, I got to do it your way. I got to do it your way. Because my, this, your way will not last. I know, Pastor, you, you, I, I know we all thinking here, but I guarantee you, right now the Holy Spirit is illuminating some people in this sanctuary and they looking at their own personal life. And they say, you know what? I got an altar back in my bedroom. I got an altar in my living room. I got an altar in my car. I got an altar in my job. I got an altar in my business. I got an altar here. And God said, tear the altar down and let me build. Let me build up. What I, what you listen? Because I know, because we can have, we can get stuck in a way of doing something, and and listen, and we think it's right, because you know why? It's worked in the past. It is worked in the past. It is worked in the past, and you cannot let what worked in the past think that it's going to work in the future. You got to understand something. There is an altar out there. Listen, it's built up, but it's got debris in the middle of it. It's hollow in the middle. It's no solid foundation in it. And that's when the Lord said that building is going to be in vain. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that, uh, before I get there, let me say this. Some of us may agree the fact that someone or something is going to build our homes, our churches, our family center. As we are building our homes, are we building them with drinking? Are we building them with partying? Are we building them with manipulation? Are we building them with controlling behavior? Some people got controlling behavior in the household. They, they like to control things because they can just get an attitude in the household. And they know they can manipulate folks with their attitude in the household. Some people got uh, the way that they they can just go around mm, 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 and they can get their way get away with something. They're like a child sometimes, cause a child got that childish behavior. But David, excuse me, but David said this: When I became a man, I put away childish things. Childish behavior can build your household if you ain't careful. It can build your household if you ain't careful. Pride can build your household if you ain't careful. Jealousy can build your household if you ain't careful. Unforgiveness. You can be building on unforgiveness if you ain't careful. You ain't forgave the last person that did something to you. You ain't forgave your mama, your daddy. Oh, that, that's been 20 years ago. Get over it. Tell somebody get over it. 
I know that may not be proper biblical terminology, but sometimes you got to tell folks just to get over it. Because let me tell you something, it ain't going to change the fact. What you going to do, revisit it? Ain't nothing changing. It's over with. Tell somebody it's over with. Don't let people bring you into bondage by their negative or nasty attitudes. You got to allow God to build your house. You got to allow the Lord to build your house. Oh, we got to allow the God to construct, repair, and establish our lives. That's why David proclaimed that the Lord does not build a house that's going to be labor. Notice what he said in that latter part of Psalms 127. Psalms 127. They labor in vain who build. They labor in vain. Watch this. They're laboring. They're actually doing some work. They're actually toiling. They're actually constructing something. They're having an undertaking. They've got a mission. In fact, sometimes they're struggling, and the struggle is real to them. Let me tell you something. When you're struggling, struggling real to you. Thank y'all for the full amen. Y'all ain't lived long enough yet. When you are struggling, struggling is real to you. I ain't loving because when I'm struggling in my life, I, I'm going through when I'm struggling. But this is the thing. Nobody else will know I'm going through except me. Because what a struggle of somebody is, it ain't a struggle of some other folks. Oh, look how y'all looking at me here. You know, when your five-year-old come to you talking about they struggling, you're like, oh, play, baby, that's all right. You think you're struggling. Wait till you get about 25, then you really got some struggle going on. But now, when you're going through something, somebody... How y'all looking at me here? That's when God look at us. Oh, you think you're going through something now, don't you, baby? <laughs> but this is what he said. Think it not strange. Somebody said, think it not strange. Mm-hmm. He said, think it not strange, even though you're dealing with some stuff right now. You're dealing with some situations right now. Think it not strange. Because when we deal with stuff and God looks at us, I can imagine God be like, that's why I say, he said over in the book of Psalms, he says, I laugh at your calamities. Why he laughing? Because God, um, God is so powerful. He sees your end from your beginning. See, what is, God look at you, you see you struggling, but he also see you coming out of it. You're struggling, but you're already out of it. You're struggling with your finances, but you're already in a millionaire. You're struggling with your body, but you're already healed. You're struggling with your mind, but you already got peace that passes all understanding. The struggle is real, but God sees your end. Thank God he sees my end. Tell somebody, God sees my end. Woo, tell somebody else, God sees my end. Oh, yes, Lord. But notice what he says here. There will be labor. The labor will be in vain, empty, worthless, falsehood. And you know what I thought about this? It's lying to you. It looked good, but it's lying to you. It looked like a house, but it's lying to you. It looked like a church, but it's lying to you. It looked like a relationship, but it's lying to you. Why? Because you built it yourself. And this is what you need to understand. It's going to look like... What you build. Oh, you got to catch that. It's going to look like what you put together. The plans you put together is going to look like, and, and, and look, it's going to pass your inspection. It's going to pass, it's going to pass what you designed and what you thought it was going to look like. It looked just like it. That's why I'm always amazed at the folks that think they're never going to go through something. And when they go through something, what's wrong, Pastor Why am I going through? Oh, I, you know, some people, when they come to me and they start playing, they're going through this, that, and the other. I tell them, well, it look about right to me. They don't, that ain't what they want to hear. They want me to give an answer that's going to get them completely out of what they're going through. But I, I don't have that kind of answers. I got the answer that says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. <laughs> this too shall pass. Those answers I got. Think it not strange as you're dealing with this struggle right here. Think it not strange. This is the answers I have. And understand that whatever you're dealing with, 
God will get you through it, all right? You'll get you through it. Now, the, why is it empty? Why is it worthless, false, and void? They will build what looks and feels like a house, a church, a home, a business, a family, a life, a life, etc. But it will be empty without purpose and fulfillment. Boy, that's something else, ain't it? You can spend years building what looks like and feels like a house, a church, a home, a business, a family, a life, etc. But it will be empty without purpose and fulfillment. I don't know about you, but I want bigger and better to be fulfilled in my life. Let me say this to you. I'm like you. I have no time or waste of energy or money for worthless endeavors. If I'm going to invest my money in something, I want to invest in something that's going to be there for the long haul. I want to listen. I want to listen. I want a house. I don't want it to be like the three little pigs. You blow and they're gone. And some people have houses that are built just like that. When trials come, when tribulations come, boom, there you go. There you go. I love newlywed couples. I really do. But most of them ain't been through nothing yet. I want to see what they look like when they've been through something. I like churches, but I like a church that's been through something. I like homes, but I like a home that's been through something. I like builders, but I, wanna, I don't want to go in the building. ain't been tested. Thank y'all for the four-way mans right there. Because, it, it, listen, it can look good on the outside, but that building, I was, I was looking at my home the other day, and I was thinking about this, uh, what they call a load-bearing wall. Load-bearing wall means... And I don't know the proper terminology. If I say it wrong, Dad, you correct me, okay? But basically, it takes a lot of the weight of the building on it. And if you move it, the whole building could collapse. I said, Lord, I may go, I may go through. You may move a lot of things from my life, but don't move the things or the people in my life that takes up the weights. Don't move the people from my life that pray. Don't move the people from my life that don't got a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, you can remove some of that other fault. But I need people in my life that are praying, that are fasting, that have faith in God, that when trials and tribulations come, they can handle some weight around me. I appreciate the church when when we got people in our lives, amen, that can handle weight. They can handle trials. They can handle tribulation. That when the church is going through, they ain't going to tell and run. I know in 24 years, we've had some people, that when they wait, got, when, when they, they, y'all, y'all know who they are. <laughs> I ain't got to call nobody's name. You know who they are. They could not handle when the pressure came. Oh, let me get them move on. That's why I believe when Paul must have realized the intensity of the work involved in the building process because he reminded us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says, be steadfast, be firm, be unwavering, be devoted to miss what you're going through. Be firmly persistent, be stable, be secure and rooted, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He made it clear in the same scripture that as long as we are unwavered and rooted in Jesus, our labor will not be in in vain. It would not be empty. It would not be destitute of spiritual wealth, the void of truth, or worthless. If we truly serve God the way he desires, we can expect increased pros- prosperity and productivity because God is a good God. And when you labor for God, your labor will not be in vain. 24 years, I'm telling you something, your labor's not going to be in vain. God is blessing his people with the good measure pressed down and the shaking together. That's why we can expect bigger. That's why we can expect better. Why? Because God is. He would not bring us this far. We saw, we understand coming up. I know what it meant back then. He would not bring us this far to leave us. He would not bring us this far to leave us. I know, God, we go through some rough trial. We've been through some here, y'all. But you know what? We're still here. I remember when we were building this building, and uh, my dad helped build it, and, and we were going through some trials and tribulations that we are going through the building, but we kept on building. 
we kept on building. We kept on building. And 20, listen, we still here after 24 years. Hallelujah. I remember, amen, we, we, some of us used to, we got, we never planted grass a day in our life. But somebody's planted grass around the building right now. Some of it died. A lot of it's still here. But I know you still here. And that's what I like about it. Are y'all following me here? You know God had to do, had to do this. This is what I want people to see. I know I messed up y'all. I, I ask y'all to forgive me. I built some stuff here at the ministry. But I know this too. God has built some stuff in this ministry too. And that's what's lasting. That's what's making it through. And so you're not only making it here, you're making it in your homes. You're making it in your relationship. That's why when your job come up, you're like, <laughs> but you, <laughs> you know, some people, when they go through something on the job, they be like, woo, 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 what are we going to do? Oh, you're like, play it, man. I've been through more worse and stuff than this right here. And you're like, this too shall pass. See, when you, when you learn how to go through, listen, you go through in your job, you go through in your business, you go through in your school, you go through in your church, you go through in every area, and it don't move because you're not easily moved. You are stable. So people don't understand stability. That's why I want people around me who are stable. Stable. I thank God for stable folks. Now, let me say this to you. We're in a position where we are getting, some of us are still getting stable. We're still getting stable. We are still getting stable. We're still getting ready. We're still getting in the place we need to be. That's important too. Because when we are doing that, let me say, we're just, we're learning how to be stable. That's why you got to let the Lord continue to build you. Let the Lord continue to build you. Let the Lord continue to build you. Now, if we choose to step out of the Lord, of, of, of his will, some do. We can't claim the promises like we did in the past. But if we stay in his will, we can claim the promises of God, which is yes and amen. That's why you got to be careful. Anyone can be granted permission to build a house. The problem is we can become vulnerable to deception. What's deception like? Deception is what's false. What looks, what's false, what is false, look like it's true. Deliberately misguided and trickery that comes with allowing an unqualified builder to establish things in your life. The deception comes because uh, we can build and look like what we intend to build without help from anyone. Well, you, you know, you can build some stuff and it look good too. Look good. Look good. But it may not pass the test. It may not pass the test. It may not. If born again, spirit-filled believers build a strong bond with an unsaved person, allowing them to influence, persuade, and pull on them more than God, we can expect some trick trickery to be in the midst. As we yield to the strong voice, you can expect to be misguided and bring about false information at some point in time. Why? Because the spirit of truth is not helping you. Spirit of truth is not guiding you. Spirit of truth, you got social media guiding, friends guiding you, girlfriends, boyfriends guiding you, family members, coworkers, et cetera, business partners, et cetera. You got to let the all-knowing God be your source. Now, we're going to go to our last scripture for today. I'm not going to spend much time on because you're going to have the answers in your book. It's written as one prophet said. Go Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. Going to be looking at verses 21 through 24. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 21 through 24. We allow our omniscient God to build our lives, build our church, to build our family, to build our homes, to build. We can expect certain benefits to take place. I'm going to read 65, 21 through 24. I'm going to go back and fill in the blanks. They should build houses and inhabit them. They should plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They should not, they should not build and, and another inhabit. They should not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. 
for they should be descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It, it should come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Isaiah 65, 21 through 24. First thing you're going to see if you, when, you let, when you allow the omniscient God to build your lives, to build your home, to build your life is you're going to build houses and inhabit them. You're going to build families. You're going to build relationships. You're going to build your household. But not only that, you're going to inhabit, dwell, have, be stable, remain, and set in them. In other words, you're going to build a house and enjoy it. It's sad to build a house and don't even get a chance to enjoy it. I'm just being honest with you. You went through all that. You built the house, and now you can't even enjoy it. Nice house, too. Ceiling fan, big screen TV, air conditioner. Nice Kool-Aid in the refrigerator. You you look in there, but you can't even go drink none of it. You know the Kool-Aid made just right, too. It's grape and red mixed together. Woo-wee. With the right amount of sugar, boy. Woo-wee. Can't get none of it. All you do is look in the back. Woo, nice house, y'all. I built it. I paid for it. I sweat it. I labor. I can't even dwell in it. This ain't going to be the case when you do it. God, God build your house, though. You let God build your house. Two, you're going to plant vineyards and eat their fruit. You're going to plant vineyards and consume their productivity. You're going to, and that's great to me, because, see, you don't want to be in a position where you are, you have planted stuff, fertilized it, and did everything, but can't enjoy the productivity that comes from it. God said that's not going to be the case when you let the omniscient God build your life. Third thing is you're going to enjoy the work of your of your of our hands. You're going to take delight. You're going to be a benefit. And I like this definition. You're going to be happy because you're laboring, you're undertaking, you're laboring, or you're working for the Lord. And anything you do with your your hands, your strength, your power, or the part that you do. You're going to enjoy the work of your hands. You're going to enjoy it. I'm blessed to be in a position. Now, it took me a minute to get here. I enjoy what I do for God. I enjoy coming to church. I enjoy doing this. And I, mean, I know many of you got jobs that you enjoy. It's a blessing to be in that position. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. If you don't, that's God to give you something else. He got plenty of jobs out there. I'm going to tell you. And got plenty of money out there too. There, y'all know that, right? If you don't like a job, that's God will give you another. Don't be crying. I can't stand this job. First, it was a blessing that God put you in. Now, you got to be. God wants you to enjoy it. My next point: You shall not labor in vain. We talked about that earlier. You shall not labor in vain. Next thing: We'll not bring forth children for trouble. That was interesting to me because sometimes children are going to, Lord, they bring trouble. But you're not gonna, the, what he's saying is you're not going to bring them forth for trouble. They may get in trouble, but they're not going to bring, uh, listen, you're not bringing them forth for trouble. Now, some people bring children because they know. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when people bring, when they take their children to school, they know they're looking for a phone call any moment now. Look up your five amens right there. Don't, don't act like you know what I'm talking about. Some people, they know they child in trouble as soon as they drop them off. But we're not going to be like that. We're raising, the Bible said, train them up in the way they should go. And when they owe, they will what? Not depart. We got to bring them up. The thing is, we got to bring them up in the Lord. So we're not going, we're not going to bring forth children for trouble. Dismay, certain terror, they're not going to be a terror and not going to be alone. We don't need, to, our children don't need to be known. As terrorists when we take them somewhere. Well, I know it got quiet right there. Well, let me say this to you. They are terror, but the parents are terror too. Sad. We shouldn't be known like that. God tells us that when we follow the omniscient God, we will not be like that. We will not be like that. Next one, even before we, I like this definition. Even before we call, he will answer. That's the all-knowing God. When you cry for help or summon God, he will answer you. 
respond to you, respond as a witness, reply to a request. It's good to know when you call God, God will reply to your response, answer, excuse me, your call. He will reply to your call. That's when you follow the omniscient God. He will reply, excuse me, you call on him, he's going to answer you. You ever call somebody and you need them and, and they um, didn't answer or they didn't answer? That's gonna happen, ain't it? That's human beings, ain't it? But when you follow the guy, when you call on him, he's gonna answer. Now, this is what you need to understand. You may not like his answer, but he will answer you though. But it's gonna it's gonna benefit you though. It's gonna build you up. And I like this definition here. While we're still speaking, he will hear. So that means when I'm talking to God, he's going to hear me. God's going to hear me. I want God to hear me because I know he got every answer. He got every answer. Let me tell you, real God got real solutions. And I, and I thank God that when he, we call on him while we're still speaking. I like this. While we're still speaking, he's here. That means that when God, we stop, we even stop, when we even stop, Think about making the request. He's looking, he's looking at a way I'm going to answer him. I'm going to answer her. I'm going to answer them. And God will give you a solution to whatever you're dealing with. All this because we are following, we're allowing omniscient God to build our lives. Isn't that a good benefit? Isn't that a wonderful benefit, I should say, right? See, we have more insight to the, on the benefits of allowing our omniscient God to build our houses. We must make an earnest effort to hear and apply his revealed word in every aspect of our lives. These are just some of the benefits of allowing our omniscient God to build our Christian lives. So in turn, we can be empowered and equipped in our everyday lives. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.